You're listening to the Theology for the Church podcast with Dr. Caleb Leonard, a resource for the church that aims to help Christians explore how Christian doctrine, framed by the biblical story, is to be applied to the Christian life in the context of the local church. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Theology for the Church podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Todd Miles, professor of theology at Western Seminary, to discuss the topic of systematic theology in the life of the church. Dr. Miles is the author of several books, including Cannabis and the Christian, What the Bible Says About Marijuana, Superheroes Can't Save You, Epic Examples of Historic Heresies, and A God of Many Understandings, question mark, The Gospel and theology of religions. He's also also has a forthcoming chapter in the TNT Clark Companion to the Doctrine of Providence on Prayer and Meticulous Providence. Todd, welcome to the show and thank you for joining me for this conversation. Uh, thanks for the invitation, Caleb. Been looking forward to it. You know, just a, a fun fact for some of our listeners that might not know, Todd was a professor of mine during my time at Western Seminary there in Portland. I took basically every class I could uh, with him. Um, His fingerprints are all over my personal theology and how I read and interpret scripture still uh, to this day. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation and being able to introduce um, our our audience to Todd. Um, However, before we jump into specifics about our topic, Todd, would you mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself, just just some basic background information, family, educational background, church involvement, those type of things. Sure. Uh, I'm native Pacific Northwest, lived all my life in the Northwest except for four years, uh, three of those in Louisville, Kentucky, and one of those in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, uh, came to Christ at a very young age. I have the kind of testimony that every parent wants for their child uh, who, who grows up in the church. Um, it, it doesn't make for the most dramatic in terms of drama, I suppose, but sure. Uh, but, but when we think theologically what happens in conversion, every conversion is very dramatic. Um, I'm, I'm married. My wife's name is Camille. We have uh, six children. Three of them are still at home, teenagers. Three of them are out of the house. I have uh, five grandchildren now, which is kind of crazy to think about. That's all happened very, very quickly, as it turns out. Um, I have been at Western Seminary teaching theology for 20 years. Before that, I was an engineer. It feels like another lifetime ago. I don't I, I don't believe theologically in reincarnation, but it it, <laughs> it feels like a totally different life. Sure, yeah. That I just have shadow <laughs> memories of. So, yeah, I was an engineer at a national lab for ten years, um, and uh, now I'm at. Uh, so, in addition to being at Western, I'm I'm an elder now and pastor of teaching at Gresham Bible Church. So I get to preach about half the time. It's it's great. I have a great life. Now that's that's awesome. I, f- I appreciate you sharing that. It, maybe to start our conversation off, you know, it's most basic sense, right? Thinking about systematic theology and Christian doctrine. You know, Christian doctrine is Christian belief that's based on Scripture, right? I mean, it's a pretty yeah. simple simple definition. But you know, Todd, what, what's meant typically by the term systematic theology, or sometimes people refer to it as dogmatic theology, and yeah. And then maybe how does it relate to the other theological disciplines as we think about, 
you know, biblical and historical and, and practical theology. Yeah. So as, as y'all know that our, our, our sacred text is the inspired Word of God, the Holy Bible, Scripture, uh, and it is not a systematic theology. Uh, there's a lot of theology in it. There, it's it's God's wonderful plan to give us what He has given to us. Thankfully, He didn't just drop an encyclopedia of divine stuff out of the sky, uh, nor did He give us a systematic theology because that would have been dated very quickly. I think, um, and, and and yet the, we also understand that the Bible is sufficient. It is. It's. It, we have all of the divine words that we need to live faithfully before Him. We don't have all the divine words we, we might want, but we have all the divine words that in the Lord's wisdom he knows that, that, that we need. Um, and, and so we, we have a lot of questions about things. How, how am I supposed to think? What's the nature of reality? How do I know what I know? Uh, all the, Like life's ultimate questions. And, and, and so, so much of how we are supposed to think about these ultimate questions are contained in Scripture, but, but you don't, you know, there's no book that says, how am I supposed to think about the nature of reality? Uh, a book book in the Bible, right? We, we instead have this redemptive drama. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so systematic theology is, is where faithful Christians scour the scriptures and look, look for truth in other places as well. Uh, we probably should say that, that all of the Bible is God's Word, and all of the Bible is true, but not all truth is contained in the Bible. And, and, and uh, we could probably also say accurately that, that not all of God's Word is contained in the Bible. God's words, I mean, like Jesus, for example, everything he said was the Word of God. We don't have every single word that he wrote down. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, so there, there is truth outside of Scripture, but there is no... But, but there is no truth that critiques the truth of, of the Bible. The, the Bible is the, the standard, the, the norming norm that knows no norms, right? Uh, we go to yeah. the Bible to, to evaluate all truth claims. What systematic theology, then, are faithful Christians and asking the questions that life brings up? And, and those questions may change in particular over time, they haven't really changed all that much generally over time. Um, and you, you bring all of truth to bear, privileging the Bible, critiquing all the other truth that you're assembling bringing, uh, er, by the Bible, and, and you bring that and you attempt to answer these questions. And now what a systematic theology normally looks like when, when you see a printed out book is uh, there are some significant doctrines that attempt to answer these ultimate questions of life, the, the, the nature of reality, the nature of truth, how do I know what I know, how am I supposed to behave? And, and then you break, break those down even more into, so, so who is God? Uh, uh, who, who is Jesus Christ? Who, who is the Spirit? Who, who am I? Oh, what's the biggest problem that, that I have, doctrine of sin? What, what's, how do I get out of that? <laughs> That's the doctrine of salvation, right? So, yeah. So, so, so it, it, it doesn't look like, like they are life's ultimate questions when you just open up a systematic theology, but they really are. They really are life's ultimate questions, and, and, and they're people trying to figure out what is the right way, the biblically faithful way to think about these things, and, and that's what systematic theology is. That's a really, really helpful definition, because I think sometimes, um, and it kind of 
you know, answers the, the next question I want to a- ask you just a little bit of, of why, why does systematic theology matter? You know, if, if you're sitting, you know, in, you know, maybe in a breezeway or something and, and you're looking at, you know, hey, here's our equipping classes or Sunday school or whatever you call them. And, and it's like, oh, we're doing something on this doctrine or just a general survey or overview of systematic theology. And somebody's like, well, why do I need to take that? That sounds kind of, you know, boring or maybe intellectual or mm-hmm. or, or whatever, right? What would you say yeah. to, to someone? And maybe a two-minute response, right? You're just passing them in the hallway before yeah. service. What do you say? Yeah. So so before I give the answer, let me give an illustration for, yeah. for how silly that question might actually be. I, I, I remember taking a math class and we would get story problems. And I remember thinking to myself, this is stupid. Why am I ever going to need to know, you know, like the, the price of something when I walk into a store and take three yeah. apples or, or whatever? I, I just, I, I, the story problems. And, but, but the reality is story problems are math applied, right? It's a, it, was, it was a totally yeah. stupid yeah. response, right? <laughs> uh, so um, the, the systematic theology, why would I need to do this? Well, if, if you buy what I was selling before about systematic theology is really attempting to answer all of life's ultimate questions about how are we supposed to think about these things, then of course it's going to be practical. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most yeah. practical thing yeah. that you could ever study. Um, and, and again, the doctrines might not might not look like they are attempting to answer life's ultimate questions, but but if if so I, I know this is longer than two minutes, but 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 you could probably get twenty seconds out of what I just said. It's it's really about life's ultimate question. Um, the the nature of reality, that's the doctrine of God. How do I know what I know? What's the nature of truth? That's the doctrine of revelation and and scripture. Who am I? That's the doctrine of. Of, of man, anthropology. Um, uh, what's my biggest problem? What's my biggest problem? That's the doctrine of sin. How do I get out of this biggest problem? That's the doctrine of salvation. What is my hope? That's the doctrine of eschatology. Um, and then th- those break down a little bit in terms of uh, not, not break apart, but but go, go more particular with, with the nature of God and nature of salvation. There, there's a number of interve- intersection points. Do, na- doctrine of man would be the doctrine of Jesus Christ, um, who is fully man, fully God, the, the, his, his person and his work. Um, wh- how am I supposed to behave right now, and what has God given to me that, that I might like live and flourish. That's the doctrine of the church, right? So, 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 so all of these core worldview questions, the, the, the kind of questions that every worldview attempts to answer, nature of reality, who am I, what's wrong with the world, how, how do I get better? All of these are the, the doctrines of systematic theology. It's sometimes called dogmatic theology because we're obligated to believe them because yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's, mm-hmm. it's true. So I, I don't know. Do you want to delve any more into that? I, I, I mean, I think systematic theology is, is the most practical thing ever. To, to, to ask how is systematic yeah. theology practical is kind of like a math student saying, I, I don't get why I'm having to do story problems. I mean, give me something from, from real life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know, in, in my experience like as, as a pastor, too, a lot of times it's just because they haven't actually been exposed to what systematic theology is or maybe hasn't been taught well. And so then it, it doesn't seem to be, you know, very practical, but it, it's like, oh, may, maybe something more practical would be, you know, apologetics or something. Yeah. How, how do I do it? But right. then you realize once you get into apologetics that, 
you know, it, at least in my experience, 90% of apologetics is solved by good systematic in biblical theology, right? Yeah. That it, it, it at least simplifies, you know, mm-hmm. so, so it, it, some of the application can be, you know, tricky and things like that. You're dealing with, with uh, individual people usually, right? They have different yeah. problems and they have different life experiences and backgrounds, but the, the base of everything of what you just mentioned shows, you know, how important, you know, systematic theology is for, those other things that seem to be like they're they're the practical ones, right? Yeah, yeah, I I I, I totally agree. And I just to to piggyback on what you just said, I, there's, it's it's really hard to differentiate between apologetics and systematic theology done well. I mean, apologetics mm. really is systematic theology. So, yeah, so no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of curious to to ask you this because I think some sometimes, um, you know, well-meaning, well-intentioned believers will say, you know, like, well, I just I just read the Bible. Like, why mm-hmm. why do I need to really study you know church history, you know, theology, you know, creeds and confessions? Uh, I I just want to you know, kind of, kind of read my Bible. Right. So yeah. maybe just share with us what, what's kind of the, the origin of systematic theology. Do we see the authors in scripture doing systematic theology? How's, mm-hmm. how's the discipline kind of, you know, changed or progressed over, over time. Right. We, we think of, you know, maybe some, some key players that really stick out in church history, right? Like a John of Damascus kind of starts doing a systematic theology or somebody like a, um, you know, Peter Lombard or, or a John mm-hmm. Calvin or yeah. some, you get to, and then you get all the way to, you know, like a Louise Burkhoff and, you know, like a Herman Bovink or somebody more, mm-hmm. you know, contemporary for, for us that a lot of us have used of like a John Frame or, you know, Wayne Grudem and, and mm-hmm. those types. So wh- how does that kind of progress and, and fit in with, with scripture? And I know it's kind of a large question, but does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it, it, it was the Lord's great wisdom that he didn't hand us in, in the Bible a systematic theology per se. Uh, he, uh, he w- we have a record of, uh, of, of, of Israel's history. The, the Word of God was not just recording that history, but was actually driving that history as well. And we have the, the prophets and the, the writings. And then the New Testament, we have these these biographies of Jesus Christ and the Gospels and the, uh, Paul's letters and other epistles that were very occasional. Something was going on that they had to deal with. Um, and, I, and I suppose that the, the, the the apostles engaged in a theological task when they corrected the church and taught them um, that you could probably say there's a kind of systematic theology there. But but if we just leave scripture as this is what God has given to us, and then systematic theology is us attempting to take these, these great truths from scripture that are timeless and apply them in very uh, time uh uh, urgent ways, right? Uh, w- good systematic theology is not going to be like abstract. It's going to be very particular to the moment. Um, we see evidence of that really early in the church with with um, Justin Martyr, the great apologist, is 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 
is going to the the Greek philosophers and he's showing where they were right and how what they did was helpful for us to understand the nature of reality, but he's submitting that hopefully <laughs> to to scripture. <laughs> yeah. You have a person like Irenaeus who who really studied Gnosticism in great detail and, and he wrote searing critiques of, of the heresies that were harassing uh, the, the the people of God, some of them in his own congregation, right? Uh, he was doing systematic theology there. I'd, I'd also say Irenaeus is one of the first biblical theologians as well. Um, you, you know, so so we see this kind of thing all through church history. I would argue that that uh, Athanasius, in as as he writes, question or he, he attempts to answer the question why, uh, why the incarnation. Uh, he was engaging in doctrine of Christ and doctrine of salvation, so he's doing systematic theology. Any and and so much of church of of historical theology, that's the, the theology that's developed over time within the church, is really systematic theology for that particular moment. And, and then, of course, we live in the 21st century, and we're, we're standing on the shoulders of all those people who came before, uh, mm-hmm. looking at what they wrote, um, developing it from there. And so, so I, I think systematic, the, you know, if, if we think that systematic theology is this very esoteric, academic, dry-as-dust, ivory-tower sort of thing, then, of course, we're going to wonder, you know, when did it start and what's the point and and that kind of thing. But if we look at systematic theology as this is our attempt to answer life's ultimate questions, then we Mm -hmm. have people doing that right off the bat. Um, Augustine, the, the, the Cappadocian Fathers, anytime, anytime there is an issue of the day that, that, that a, a leader in the church wrote to try to address it or spoke to try to address that particular issue, then they're engaging in systematic theology. It is, it is as practical as you get. The, uh, to such a degree that I would say like ivory tower systematic theology is almost a contradiction in terms because mm. it has to be rooted in, in applicability. It just doesn't always read that way. Sure. Sure. No, that, no, that's really helpful. And when, uh, do you know when we started to see certain individuals start to maybe compile more of a full type of systematic theology work where they're going to kind of teach on the full range of, of doctrines, right? Kind of like in the survey of doctrine type of text that we, we get today. Yeah. Well, I, 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 we could go back in time. I think one of the first Protestant ones was certainly Calvin's Institutes, which, Mm -hmm. which started as like a little tract, it was it sold like hotcakes because the, all these Protestants were wondering what it is they're supposed to believe, and nobody hardly even heard of the guy before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you could, we could go further back in time to, to Thomas Aquinas and his great Summa Theologica. I, th- I think that's his attempt at mm-hmm. doing systematic theology. Um, I, I'm sure there are people who compiled all the classic doctrines into one tome. Yeah. I, I'm just, I don't... Um, it, Certainly, Augustine wrote on everything, but I don't mm-hmm. know that he has 
one volume where he compiles uh, like all the major doctrines, but I might be just dis demonstrating my ignorance there. <laughs> sure. Um, so much of this is, is like the accident of time about like when the printing press came about too, to where mm -hmm. you could, and, and, you know, like, like, I mean, even the binding of books, uh, instead of mm -hmm. having a collection of pamphlets or scrolls made a question like, hey, now we can have a systematic theology, an actual legit question. And, mm -hmm. and so there, there, there are technological advances that made the, the writing and printing of them possible and then, then more necessary. But yeah, that's not the greatest answer. I wish I could tell you the very first one ever written was this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've just been thinking about, I don't have an answer either. So I was just, yeah. uh, just came, came to me, so. <laughs> Um, I, I was kind of curious because sometimes I get asked this as, as a pastor and people are looking at different systematic theologies and I have a few that I, you know, usually mm -hmm. recommend and, and depending on, you know, like an intro level or if somebody, you know, is a little bit more seasoned in the faith or something, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll recommend different ones. But, you know, all systematic theology starts from a fundamental principle, which is then yeah. expanded and developed, right, to embrace kind of the entire range of, of teaching Usually the principles, either the, the doctrine of God or the doctrine of, of scripture revelation, yeah. right? So with mm -hmm. uh, the latter one with scripture being yeah. uh, more common in, in modern or more contemporary times, right? So yep. uh, why start with one of these two major doctrines when doing systematic theology? And then, you know, does it matter which yeah. one we choose and you know, wh where does systematic theology go from, from here to kind of encompass the rest mm -hmm. of, you know, scripture's teaching? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I've got a few and I'm not sure how many of them are very helpful, but so I'll, I'll, I'll throw out a few ideas and you can edit this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that was just waste. Um, so I, I think we probably should start with the doctrine of God. And, and, and I know we didn't do that in our theo the theology classes you took at Western Seminary. Um, but there is something about the doctrine of God that, that, that defines reality for us. Like, like God is the ultimate, and then everything else is derived from him. Mm -hmm. um, but, but there's an apologetic purpose to systematic theology as well. And, and so if, if we're going to sit down and compile truths about who God is, we have to make an appeal to something. And, and for Christians, historically, that's always been the Bible. And, and, and so that raises questions, well, 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 what is the Bible and why, why should I believe it? And, and so mm -hmm. we have a doctrine of revelation and doctrine of scripture. And so most of the time we start with doctrine of revelation because we, ha because we want to justify our source material. Basically. Sure. I, I think that's the answer uh, to, to, to why it always starts there. Um, there, there. There's a logical necessity to it, I suppose. Necessity is probably too strong a word. Um, but but I wonder if doctrine of God would be a better would be better to start with. Um, it, because ultimately, any good doctrine of scripture is going to say that 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 the word of God is true because God has spoken it. Mm -hmm. God is the most ultimate reality, and also it's very difficult to separate God's word from God Himself. And and so 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 even if we start with scripture before too long, we're, we're going to end up prioritizing God, or we ought to a, a doctrine of God, mm -hmm. um, because because ultimately we're going to say that that scripture is true because God spoke it. 
Um, but but that presupposes who God is, and and mm-hmm. and, and 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 then we're back at the most fundamental, uh, necessary being, the nature of reality, all of that it is that that's God. Um, I wonder if it should start there. Of course, of course, Calvin threw a monkey wrench in the whole thing by talking about uh, about how a doctrine of man, humanity, is really important mm. for knowing. Yeah, anything. that's right. Yeah. Um, so, so he 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 said we can't know anything about God if we don't understand ourselves. We can't understand ourselves if we don't understand who God is. So, but then he immediately starts talking about scripture as well. In there because <laughs> yeah. we, have, we you, yeah. you know we 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 have source material that we that we we have to appeal to. Um, Right, that truths aren't just kind of popping into our head; they're 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 actually given to us uh, from God Himself. So, yeah, that's always been. I've I've probably taught I've taught through like a survey of systematic theology in you know church contexts, and and I've done both. I think, yeah. and then I think one time I even started with uh, just the knowability of God, and then went into. Mm-hmm. Um, doctrine of scripture and then into, into doctrine of God. So I'm always curious to see, um, I, I go back and forth cause I, I like, I'll, I'll think about one. I'm like, yes, that's the right one. But yeah. at the end of the day, I think we win, you know, either, either there way, but, <laughs> but yeah. I do, I, I guess I say I do kind of, I'm starting to lean more to, uh, starting with the doctrine of God these days yeah. though. I will, I will say that. I, it, it makes perfect sense. And Again, we could probably backdoor it by saying you can't have a doctrine of scripture if you don't have a doctrine of God. You could have a um, so yeah. There's there's no way you can have doctrine of scripture if you don't have doctrine of God, right? Um, s- scripture is um, I I don't I don't want to say anything heretical here, but contingent, right? God didn't have to give us scripture, but but my doctrine of God does tell me that that it is necessary that God speak. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that the, the God's Son as the Word of God. So, um, yeah, I, it it's all going to circle back to doctrine of God, but a doctrine of revelation should flow necessarily from a, a doctrine of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, those are those are really helpful helpful thoughts there. I appreciate you appreciate you sharing that. I, I want to kind of transition now into uh, systematic theology and its implications for. Uh, the life of local churches, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe let's let's start with what are some objections that that you've heard because you've you've been an elder for for many years. Yeah. You're in the seminary and church context. So what what are some objections you've heard against you know studying systematic theology or teaching it in the context yeah. of a local church? Well, the the biggest one right now is that systematic theology is like this Western like white man invention sort of thing and. I, I I suppose that a lot of the classic doctrines, how we've compiled them, um, are are very Western. I suppose that's true. But my response to that is great. Then write your own. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's fine. If, if if systematic theology is again uh, the bringing to bear all of God's powerful self-revealing word to life's ultimate questions. I get that from John Frame, a systematic theologian. Um, then, then, then everybody has to do it. You've just got to do it. Um, uh, yeah. you, you might, you, you might like make it more interesting sounding than, uh, system, than calling it a class on systematic theology, call it whatever you want. But, but if, if you're doing anything of worth at all, you're going to be doing systematic theology. 
Um, and I know that sounds like I'm cheating. I'm making a catch-all. It's like systematic theology is anything that's worthwhile in the church, but I really think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we even know what we're supposed to do when we gather together? How are we supposed to treat one another? How right? Uh, th- there are certain Bible verses that give us very specific commands, but 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 we haven't been given an instruction manual on how to do church, right? Um, and, and so we, we have choices that we have to make when we gather about how we want to spend our time in something as practical as, as a worship service. Well, the, you're going to make an appeal, I hope, to uh, something transcendent rather than just something pragmatic. If you, if you, make, an, if you make an appeal to something transcendent, you're going to be doing faithful systematic theology. If you make your appeal to just pragmatic about what's going to draw people in, well, then you're doing theology, you're just doing it poorly and unfaithfully, but it's, it's mm-hmm. all theology, ultimately. Um, so so um, um, what we sing, how we sing, all, all of that has theological implications to it. How we, um, how we structure our leadership, all of that is doctrine of the church. Um, what should the church be doing with regard to mission? What does my budget reflect? Right? All of that hopefully is is based in good theology of mission, of mm-hmm. uh, right, or a good theology of the church. Uh, and your your church budget is like a blueprint of what you I think is really really important. Um, I, I hope that's grounded in in good theology. Anytime someone is is hurting over sin in either something they have done or something that's been done to them, then you're going to draw upon systematic theology. You're not you're you're not merely quoting Bible verses to them. Mm-hmm. I, I would even go so far as to say this: How do you know which Bible verse to quote to a person that's going to be of most help? Because you're mm-hmm. thinking theologically about I, 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 about what the issue is and what promise of God is going to be most helpful. So. Yeah, I, I um, and all systematic theology is 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 just a like a taxonomy or a structure mm-hmm. that, that helps us sort through all of God's great revelation. And I'm not, I am not saying there that the systematic theology then is we've taken the raw materials of the Bible and we've made it better. No, the, the mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing is better than the Bible. <laughs> sure, but 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 our application of the Bible has to be informed by something. Right in our thought processes, and 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 so knowing what scripture to go to, knowing what scripture to apply, all, all of that I think is is us engaging in the task of of of, of theology. Uh, so so I find it to be very very practical. You know the the, the common uh, canard out there is oh systematic theology isn't that just a bunch of people in an ivory tire tower asking how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Um, and I, I suppose in his absolute worst sense, um, but but even that question gets a bit of a bad rap. There were reasons yeah. why they <laughs> asked that question. They're not terribly interesting to me, but but they but but there were reasons. Um, yeah, don't waste your time doing that. But just know this: that every single person you encounter is a theologian, it, because every person is trying to deal with reality, and this is our Father's world, and so they have thoughts about God. They might be bogus, they might be faithless, they might be disdainful, they might be blasphemous, but those are thoughts about God. Everybody's a theologian, 
Therefore, everybody's a systematic theologian. The only question is how mm-hmm. faithful are you? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good a good word because we could think of lots of different objections that people you know may have, but that just that reality that we're uh, we're we're all theologians. It's just some of us are better <laughs> theologians yeah. than others, right? Some of us are a little bit. Uh, you know, less heretical <laughs> than others, yeah, perhaps, yeah. And, <laughs> and things. And, and so I think that, you know, despite those objections that people have and, and maybe some of the discomfort, mm-hmm. uh, we've just got to disciple people through that, mm-hmm. right, in our churches. And and I think that, um, you know, when I had Greg Allison as a professor at Southern Seminary, he talked about mm-hmm. Christian doctrine and its kind of four applications this way. And I just really love this, this summary uh, where he said doctrine is believed, so it's mm-hmm. orthodoxy is, is true belief or sound doctrine, right? That mm-hmm. doctrine's practiced, right? So he has orthopraxy. It's, it's right practice or godly living. And then doctrine's confessed. So confession is the, the public profession of Christian belief. And then doctrine is taught. So teaching, teaching's the faithful transmission of Christian belief from generation to generation and 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 i've felt like as i have shared that with people that have objections to you know what why systematic theology in the church or or, or whatever mm-hmm. that w- once you boil it down to just that basic you know couple of definitions of, of well what's yeah. the role of doctrine in the church right well there's things we have to believe and practice and confess and teach, and, and you hinted at, at all of those, and, and so I've always really appreciated that succinct, you know, mm-hmm. summary as, as we try to think through things like, uh, man, how, how do pastors and ministry leaders faithfully ensure, you know, that systematic theology has a place in, in the church's various ministries, right? Well, mm-hmm. are we, what, what are we believing? What are we practicing? What are we teaching and confessing, you know, together, and, and what implications does that have for those you know, various ministries. So, so maybe what, what would be some, something for pastors and, and churches, you know, church, church leadership, uh, and, and even the membership, right. The, the, to work together, um, at, as one congregation in unity to start maybe, you know, implementing, uh, certain things to help their congregation get an appetite for more, uh, doctrinal teaching in the life of the church. Yeah, well, if if theology is what I have been saying that it is, then it should be like the most interesting, the most practical. Um, I, I I remember complaining about taking a, a history class in high school, and and now I realize history is inherently interesting. If if, if you don't like history, it's because you had really bad teachers, mm-hmm. and, and and so if if you don't like theology then they were not able to connect the dots in the way that, that Greg Allison was asking you to connect the dots. Um, I, I, as you were going through those, I, I was thinking of an example of just how practical theology is. Um, so uh, let's say that, that, that you're a parent and you're struggling um, with the uh, death of, of one of your parents. And so mm-hmm. you're trying to explain to your child what happened to their what happened to their grandfather. And even as you're talking with your child, inside you're grieving over this, the the Mm -hmm. nature of reality. And 
and and and and and what has happened and 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 you explain to them why why their their grandfather or or their grandmother passed away and and you explain to them where they went and and you explain to them uh, how you know you, you might even say you're well, they're in a better place right now because they're they're not hurting anymore, and and yet your kids can see the tears on your face as you're mm-hmm. as you're talking about these things, and 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 they say, well, why are you crying? And and you say because because this is the nature of reality right now. I I I, I miss my mom and dad just as much as you miss your grandma or grandpa, right? Um, and 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 you talk about the hope of heaven, and and, and you talk about how. We have this this hope of of being with Christ and being reunited with all the people of God, especially those we love. Even though right now our our hearts just break over this. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I mean, what are we doing there? We're talking about soteriology. We're talking about about um, sin. We're talking about eschatology. And, and and then all of those things about doctrine is believed, doctrine is practiced, doctrine is confessed, doctrine is taught. You're engaging in all four of those, right? Mm-hmm. In, in that very practical moment that is coming for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're, we're going <laughs> to yeah. have to have those discussions with our... Uh, and, and just a host of other things. Okay, so how do we do this in the church? Well, I, 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 I think we have to... Um, just make people aware um, that 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 what we're doing in our teaching and preaching is really um, it's it's more than this, but it's not less. It's the teaching of theology, um, mm-hmm. and 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 then drawing people's attention to times and places where where you appeal to truths that have been compiled and passed down and given to us scripture first and foremost but but then everything else and, and how, how that has guided us and it has practically guided us and how it has been uh how it has has drawn out all of these implications and acts and applications uh from god's powerful mm-hmm. self-revealing word I, I i think if we can consciously be training our people and pointing out um you know, I'm I'm not just giving you five tips on on how to live, and 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 I'm not mm-hmm. just explaining what this one verse means, but I'm trying to equip you right now to live faithfully and to die faithfully. Um, and I remember uh, at, at, at my former church when uh, when uh, we were interviewing our the, the guy who we hired, who I served with for for twelve years. Um, he, it was an older congregation, and 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 it was a Q and A time when he was candidating, and they said, you know, well, what are you going to do for us? That you know, we're we're in our seventies, our eighties, our nineties, mm-hmm. and and he said. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to prepare you to meet the Lord because that day's coming soon, isn't it? And, <laughs> and I think they were a bit taken aback. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> um, uh, what? But uh, but truer words have never been spoken, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't. He, he got the job, so it worked. And he, he so anyway. Um, yeah, I, I boy, there, there, there's there's probably more things that we could do. Uh, you know, make sure that you're teaching well because you you shouldn't have to gussy up theology what we do is we make it more complicated a lot of times and we we Mm. we make it more boring than it ought to be um you know um make sure that that what you're doing is contemporary and, and constantly be pointing out that 
the, 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 the what I'm teaching you here is 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 going to get you through the day, and it's going to get you through the the next years, and it's it's it. Um, it's it, it's not just five steps to a happy marriage, but I'm I'm teaching you about the nature of man. I'm teaching you about the nature of sin. I'm teaching mm-hmm. you about the nature of the church, and all of these things are super practical. Super, there they ought to be. We just overcomplicate things at times, and 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 I think people get a little intimidated because in in, in theology we like to give things Greek names and Latin names and, <laughs> uh, to, sure. to make it sound more impressive than than it ought to be. I, I, my, my favorite example of this is, is like the doctrine of perspicuity, where we use a word to describe how clear the Bible is, that no one knows what it means. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's just how we roll at times. Um, yeah. We could probably do better than that. Yeah. No, def, def, sometimes the vocabulary holds, holds us back a little bit, for sure. So, well, I just think, you know, um, you know, studying systematic theology, like you've hinted at, should lead us you know, naturally when taught and done well in a way that's applied to, to real life, which it's actually pretty easy to do if we just stop and think for, you know, two seconds. Uh, but it should lead us into deeper worship and communion with God, or I should transform us into the image of Christ and produce, you know, in us the fruit of, of the spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really one of the, one of those things where, you know, I think that the longer you do systematic theology too, and the the older that that you get in the faith, and the more you study, you realize that um, you, all of the the knowledge is meant to to transform the heart, to draw us into deeper uh, affections for the Lord and and worship of Him. Right? That really the marker, at least in my estimation, of like a true theologian is their heart. Because they've allowed what they know to affect like who they are becoming a, as a person, right? And, and hopefully that's someone who's being conformed more into the image of Christ. Yeah, uh, I I totally agree. Um, I, there's there's doctrines that seem strange again because we give them words uh, like like the hypostatic union. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the hypostatic union, it sounds intimidating and it's super mysterious, but boy, is there anything that could be more practical than Jesus Christ being fully human and fully divine? Uh, and and then every aspect of who we are as people depends completely on mm-hmm. uh, on Jesus Christ being fully human and fully divine. If, if, if he is not everything that the Bible says that he that he is, then he can't do any of the things that that he did and and that he continues to do. And so, I you know, even something as simple as prayer d- mm. depends uh, upon Jesus Christ being fully human and fully divine. Something as simple as prayer depends upon the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, by through the Spirit of God. Um, I, I, yeah, and, and so it, it's it's going to be transformative. Um, if 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 God's goal for us is to create a people who are a, a, a diverse, unique, wonderful, created people who are united in praise of Him, and, and who are trophies of His grace, who have been transformed from rebels into Christ-like saints. Uh, who will dwell forever with him? If 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 in God's economy, that's like the most glorious thing that He can imagine. 
um, then then these these powerful truths that we're talking about ought to be transformative because that's God's goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that, that has been his goal from 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 the beginning to create this people for himself who will honor and glorify him for all of eternity. Um, and when God looks on us, he sees us as trophies of his grace. We are the, the workmanship, I think, that he is more proud of than anything else that he has ever created. Um, these 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 image bearers, once rebels, now uh, now faithful followers, and and he's given us his powerful word that is creative and recreative, and so so all of these truths. Have, I've tried to make the case that theology is very very practical, but but they're all simultaneously transformative as well, and 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 we depend upon them because they describe truly who we are. And, and, and again, God's Word is never a mere record, but it's also the, the, the uh, powerful creative uh, tool that he uses. His Word is powerful. It, it accomplishes things. And insofar as our theology is faithful, insofar as it is, insofar it is repeating the truths of God's Holy Word, then it is going to be mm-hmm. powerful to save and powerful to change and powerful to do all the things we know that the Bible does. Mm-hmm. I think that's an awesome place to uh i'd love to keep going uh, but i know sometimes people's commutes end you know unfortunately so, uh but i i think that's a great place to to stop here and, and maybe just as a last question let, let's say there's some uh you know listeners out there they want to start reading and learning mm-hmm. theology what what resources would you recommend for them to start with sure. um, so let, let me maybe ask you this way what would be kind of your top three beginner type of systematic theologies and then maybe your top three intermediate and then just for fun if you you could only pick one systematic theology to read and reference for the rest of your life which one would it be wow okay uh beginners and and so beginners i'm i'm thinking like at least high school education right Mm -hmm. um i would say john frames I've mentioned him. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He's, I, I've never met him. He's had more influence over me than any anybody else, just from a writing standpoint. Um, I think Greg Allison, another professor we've mentioned here, he wrote a book called 50 Core Truths of the Christian Faith, A Guide to mm-hmm. Understanding and Teaching Theology. I, I think Greg is a very clear communicator and writer. He's an excellent writer. I think he's one of the best out there in evangelicalism right now. Um, uh, Wayne Grudem's uh, systematic theology is is usually the one that we hand to people like at the church because it's very very Bible based. There's he he actually wrote it to make sure that it he wasn't making great appeals to philosophy even though he does mm-hmm. uh, throughout. But uh, he he wanted something that was more biblical and so uh, Grudem's systematic theology is, is a really good one and and that might be stepping now into the more intermediate ones. I would say that the more intermediate ones would be uh, Erickson's Christian theology. That's a good Baptist theology. I'm, I'm waiting on Steve Wellam to finish his mm. systematic theology. That one, Me in too. My, my estimation, that's going to be the go-to uh, mm-hmm. at the seminary, and it's going to replace Erickson. And, and that's fine. Systematic theologies always need to be written. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. Um, a, a little more advanced, uh, Bovink is uh, his stuff's good, especially if you get his his uh, his abridged uh, version. Um, uh, frames individual doctrine books: the, the doctrine of the Word of God, the doctrine of the knowledge of God, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of 
uh, what else? The Doctrine of the Christian Life. Uh, those are all just excellent. And then he has his own larger systematic theology too. That that one only read that one after you've read his his four or five other books because he mm-hmm. kind of assumes what he wrote in the others and just fills in all the gaps in, in his big white systematic theology. Um, one systematic theology, golly. I, I, I probably have read more frame than I've read anything else. Um, and, um, but I, I probably also should just say Calvin's Institutes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, which, which are delightful. Um, uh, he's such a clear thinker and, and he's not like reading Luther who is just on a diatribe against the Catholic church the, mm-hmm. for good reason. Whole time he writes. Yeah. But but there's still some of that. I mean, th- there's a reason why you know Caleb, we, we didn't have you read Calvin's Institutes. We had you read something mm-hmm. contemporary because because it's all about life's ultimate questions and and some and life's ultimate questions they might not change generally, but they do do change particularly. And mm-hmm. um, we we needed something that spoke to our postmodern context, and and so we we went with Erickson, and so and, and we'll find out who the next 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 guy is who writes the next best contemporary one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for hitting us up with those resources. And, and Todd, I really appreciate you for you know, joining me for this conversation. It was, it was really fun. I pray it's edifying to whoever listens to it. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you bet. Anytime. Listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Share it with your friends and give it a good review, whether written or just clicking some stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps others find this show that may be interested in gospel-centered resources like this one. Also, if you have an idea for an episode or someone you'd like for me to interview, please reach out to me and let me know. Thank you, and until next time.